From Nashville, Tennessee, Southwestern Family of Companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, we share insights and inspiration for movers and shakers in the world of business. Our goal is to help you increase your self-discipline, overcome procrastination, and help you to take action on all the things that really matter. How do you get yourself to finish things? How do you get yourself to follow through? How do you get yourself to complete, to take to the end, to uh, you know, run the race, to cross that line? That is what we're talking about today. I have my pal, John Acuff, uh, in to help us with that. That is the topic of his new book, Finish, Give Yourself the Gift of Done. And so we're going to talk about that. And, and you're really going to learn about perspective. I think that is a big going to be a big theme of how it's really a shift in your mindset. And it's, it's less about, you know, drumming up some type of, of willpower. And in fact, a- after um, the interview with John, I'm going to share with you literally in a matter of four words how to immediately increase your self-discipline, how to immediately increase your self-discipline in all scenarios, all situations, all circumstances, this four-word strategy, just one thing, one idea that if you can learn to do this, it literally has the power to change your life and the strategy is delivered in four words so i'm going to i'm going to share that with you it's going to help you finish things it's going to help you activate your self discipline it's going to help you overcome procrastination take action it's going to help you get things done get them across the final finish line so it's a great episode i appreciate you so much for being here thank you for tuning in as always we'll get started just after this message This episode is sponsored by Southwestern Coaching. Southwestern Coaching has helped over 11,000 people increase their incomes by over 25% on average. As a successful salesperson, you know the importance of increasing your sales, but sometimes you might just need a little extra push and accountability to meet your goals and grow your business. Southwestern Coaching will help you increase your income through one-on-one sales and leadership coaching tailored specifically to your needs. Together, we will elevate sales. To schedule your free one-on-one business action planning session with a Southwestern coach, go to www.southwesternconsulting.com forward slash action catalyst. So it's been a while, but we have had John Acuff on the show, a personal buddy of mine, fellow Nashvillian, uh, go to go to the same church and uh, have just been pals over the years. And he is a New York Times bestselling author of several books now. And he is, you know, appears regularly in the national media. He has been speaking a lot in, uh, in corporate markets and corporate audiences. His last book was called Do Over, which was fantastic. And his new book is called Finish. Uh, Give yourself the gift of done. And it is just coming out right about now. um, And it is a good time to go get it. And so it only made sense to have John back on the show. So welcome back, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me. So you wrote... you know, one of your other books was called Start. And I think when uh, I, I read your personal letter on this, you said that Start was the wrong ghost to fight. What did you mean by that? 
Well, I, I was kind of under the impression the hardest part is the beginning. You know, we have a lot of motivational statements that say things like, well begun is half done, or the hardest step of any journey is the first one. And so I thought, if I can just get people motivated to begin, then that's what matters most. But over the years, readers would come up to me and they'd say, hey, no offense, I liked your book Start, but I've never had a problem starting. I've started a million things. I never actually get them done. What does it take to finish? And at the time, a couple of years ago, I just didn't have an answer, but I thought it was a great question worth exploring. Yeah. And one of the things that I appreciated, uh, you know, specifically with this book is you did, you guys did some, some research, you did some data, you partnered with the, uh, someone from the university of Memphis. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, a researcher approached me actually and said, Hey, I want to see if what you talk about actually works, which was really exciting and <laughs> a little nerve wracking because scary. yeah, scary. Cause you want to make sure you're teaching people helpful things. And so, yeah, we did about a six-month study of mo- almost 900 people as they worked on goals so that we could kind of say, okay, which of the things we've been taught to believe about goals really work and which ones are actually doing a lot of damage? Mm-hmm. What did you find? Well, I mean, uh, one of the big, the big fi- uh, things we found was that the idea of shoot for the moon because if you'll fail, you'll land among the stars just yeah. doesn't really prove out true when you look at the data. Um, it sounds true, but when you actually look at the numbers of how it works, it doesn't work. And so a lot of people, you see this in a practical way, they'll say, I'm going to start running. And I'll go, great. And they'll go, yeah, I'm going to do a marathon. And I'll go, have you done a half marathon or like a 5K or like even a single K? And they always go, no, 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 I got to go all in. And and they have this huge goal that fails from the get-go because it's just too big for what they're trying to do. And so we found that the people we got to quit like half of their goal, we said, hey, if you're trying to lose 10 pounds, try to lose only five. And what we found is that those people were 63% more successful. And so what it means is that if my goal is to lose 10 pounds and I lose eight, I don't feel like I almost won. I feel like I failed. Most people judge goals on a on a pass-fail kind of scale. It's I either did it or I didn't do it. And so when you lose eight, you failed by two and you quit where if I get you to lose five and you lose the same eight, same exact weight, you won by three and you try again. So it's one of those kind of psychological tricks that helps you continue the goal. So does that, is that the same thing as saying you should set low goals? No, it's the same thing as saying, okay, you can still have a big goal, but you should have steps along the way. So the big thing was saying, okay, like from a, from a corporate perspective, because I speak to a lot of companies, they don't want to hear cut your goal in half. And there's a lot of goals you can't cut in half. What they need to hear is have an environment where people get to be honest, where a leader doesn't say, we're going to double revenue by $2 billion. I, I just met with um, somebody who works with a lot of CEOs, and he said, we have a new CEO that's taking the role in one year, and they've already launched a really um, aggressive campaign to try to look like they know what they're doing, but it's going to fail because it's too big. So you see a lot of people that have this, like, we have to have this crazy goal. It doesn't mean you can't have a big goal. It just means you have to go about it in small ways along the path. Hmm. Yeah, I think um, the uh, uh, that's kind of, it's, a, it's an interesting thing because there's sort of this dichotomy. And I've always, I've always sort of struggle with this personally about going, okay, there's, there's this power to thinking big because it forces you like... Um, 
I was watching some talk, I think it was Peter Diamandis who said, look, if you're going to build a car and you want that car to get 40 miles per gallon, uh, you know, for gas mileage, you start working on how do you make the car more efficient? But he said, if you want to design a car that gets 200 miles per gallon, then you completely throw out everything you know about cars and you start over from the beginning. And the point that he was making was that like when you go to solve a bigger problem, you have to think completely differently. So on on one end of the spectrum, it's like, I really that's really powerful. On the other end, I think is what you're talking about here, which uh, you know, most people don't get past. I think in your letter, you wrote like the first few days of, of P90X. Most people don't even run the 5K. And so how do you sort of is, is balance those two ideas? Is that just basically having checkpoints along the way? Well, I think in the car example, for instance, there, you know, when you're talking about something like that, there's not a, and it has to be done in a month. Like it's a fairly, like when you do a big brain exploration, like how do we get a car 200 miles? We're not talking about an individual who goes and I have to, you know, have written my book by November and they have it, they have restraints and boundaries. So I think, I think we just need to be careful about when it's a practical goal I'm trying to do versus when it's a, I want to go back to, to med school and become a doctor. Like that's a big, crazy thing. You wouldn't say to that person, what if you just started by becoming like getting a job at Walgreens and worked your way up? Like that wouldn't make, that doesn't make any sense. So I think you have to kind of look at it and say, okay, if I have this big goal, writing a book is a big goal. What are the small steps along the way? And and then also admitting that even losing five pounds is a pretty dramatic thing. Like even writing a great chapter is a pretty dramatic thing. So I, it always just reminds me, it's a funny example. You know, when I worked with Dave Ramsey, his whole thing that was kind of opposite what people say is that he'd say, if you have five, five you know, forms of debt, most people would say mathematically, pay off the one with the highest interest. And he says, don't do that. He says, pay off the smallest one first and use the momentum of that to build, you know, a debt snowball. And scientifically, that's the worst way to do it. But what we found is that psychologically, it's the best way because a lot of goal setting advice is given as if you're a robot who's not emotional and is just going to do the logical thing all the time. But I I heard somebody once say, if Americans were logical, People Magazine wouldn't sell more than time. And so what I mean is, okay, it's great to dream about this huge thing, but when it comes to feet on the ground, you need to have smaller reachable goals that still stretch you. Like I'm not saying it has to be really, really small in a a way that's so easy you feel casual. They still stretch you, but they're achievable and they build, build, build. Hmm. Yeah, I think that that time frame distinction, John, is really good uh, because it's like, well, yeah, any company could be a hundred or $500 million, but maybe not next year. (laughs) Maybe not like you, you, I think that's, I think that's, that's good. And the other thing I guess is, you know, from a self-esteem, like is you're to use your eight pound thing that that is so powerful. If I, my goal is to lose five and I lose eight, it's like, man, I crushed it. If my goal is to lose 10 and I lose eight, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm miserable. I'm horrible. Yeah, I I'm, suck. I'm, I should have like, what was wrong with me? Um, the other thing you have to remember is that like one of the things that we talk about in the book is that a goal is never a goal. A goal is a promise you make to yourself. And when you don't keep it, you break the promise. And it's like if parents told you, we'll pick you up after school for soccer practice, and they didn't do that five times in a row, would you trust your parents? Of course not. If you had a friend that said, let's get coffee, and I didn't show five times in a row, you'd go, yeah, I don't really trust John when he says stuff. So what happens, whether it's as an individual 
or to a company on an individual level, if I've tried to set the same goal every New Year's and I never do it, as soon as I say it, my brain goes, oh yeah, sure, totally. Yeah, just like last time. Okay, great. I love New Year, New You. <laughs> same with a company. If you work for a leader who consistently sets the wrong goal, you create a culture of distrust where, yeah, it's great to be hyped. I'm excited. That's good for you. But we all know, like I always say, like the break room tells the truth, the boardroom doesn't. So in the boardroom, you might have to clap and go, we're going to do it this year. And then you get to the break room. Everybody goes, oh, my gosh, this is the dumbest goal ever. It's going to fail like last year's failed. And so I I think you have to work in the emotional side of things. Huh. Yeah, the the uh, the emotional element is is interesting. So so how much does distraction play into this? Because I know that you you kind of you, you touch on that a little bit in the book. Well, I mean, it plays into it in that like. Time is finite in the sense of there's 168 hours a week. So as we see things like Netflix usage go up, that's coming from somewhere. Like that time is, you know, you're giving that that token to something else. So when you say, okay, the average American watches 34 hours a week of TV, according to Nielsen, like that's almost a full-time job. And so that, you know, we're getting more distracted. And so I, I just think the way I say it is, we live in a world of endless distractions and bottomless opportunities. And so on the one hand, it's really, really good. On the other hand, you know, you can really get lost in the distraction of, you know, an email or Twitter. There's how many times do people go to their phones for a specific reason? And then it's almost like ending up in your kitchen and not knowing why you're there. And you look up and go, what did I get on here to do? Like, was I checking the weather? And I somehow mm-hmm. ended up, you know, reading about people who believe the earth is flat on Instagram. Like, how did I go down that time suck and that so yeah we live in a distracted culture yeah yeah um so you mentioned the new year's resolution which is uh you know that's kind of one of the big things everybody whenever everybody thinks of goals i think a lot of times our minds go to to new year's resolution um and i was thinking about the concept of a new year's resolution with the concept of finish and i love the subtitle of this book give yourself the gift of done I think that is such a cool subtitle. I think it's clear. I think, you know, it's also very emotional and I love the word gift. Um, so what's the, what's the data that you're seeing the most recent data on new year's resolutions and what's the, what are, what are the, what's the way to approach it to make it more likely to succeed? Well, I mean, the, the big stat is 92% fail according to the university of Scranton. So you have an 8% success rate. Um, which is crazy because we still do them year after year after year. Like in most situations, say that 92% of people who got in the ocean got bit by a shark. Like you would change your approach to the beach. (laughs) People wouldn't be like, well, hopefully I'll be in the 8%. You know, like you would get (laughs) radical about that. Like if 92% of you, you know, your neighbors got bitten by bears, you'd be like, we need to move. You wouldn't be like, I just hope it works for this year. So you've, the odds are, are definitely stacked against you. Um, which is, you know, on the one hand, you can go, oh, that's discouraging. On the other hand, you can go, wow, if I learn how to finish things, I'm rare and valuable. Um, if I learned at my job how to finish things, I'm rare and I'm valuable. So that's one of the stats that I thought was, was really, really interesting on, on kind of the downside. One of the things that we found that's fascinating, you mentioned, okay, how do we make sure we finish, is things like how we communicate them with our friends. You know, most people, and Derek Sievers, another author, wrote about this, most people tell their friends their goal the wrong way. If I say to you, I'm going to run a marathon this year, you pre-congratulate me. You say, oh, good for you. Way to go. I couldn't do that. You're so disciplined. And I get a dopamine release that's just enough to make me not really want to do it. 
Like I got enough of a buzz. I got enough applause and I don't actually end up doing the thing. So how you're supposed to say it is, Hey Rory, will you hold me accountable to run three times a week? Like, will you just shoot me a text like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or just at once at the end of the week and say, Hey, did you do your running this week? Will you hold me accountable? I've got a goal I'm trying to work on. Those are very different things. And so factor that into our desire to broadcast everything online and social media. And you start to see, wow, every January, millions of people announce, this is going to be the year I start a business or lose weight or write a book. And every, every one of their followers goes, ah, way to go, Trisha. That's awesome. You're the best writer. And then come March, you're not doing it. And so it's little tweaks like that, that you say, okay, there's data to, to support the right way and the wrong way. So on the in the vein here of the strategies, because you you go through some actual like you know finish strategies, you kind of briefly mentioned the cut in half and then what to bomb. Can you kind of walk us walk us through those? Like if if somebody's listening right now and they go, oh my gosh, like this is me. I have a million uh, you know new business ideas that are started, they're not completed, or I have you know I've got four different books open that I've started reading and none of them are finished or whatever. What are some of the actual practices that they can start to do beyond just how they how they set and communicate goals? Yeah, a practical thing is to choose what you're not going to be good at during a period of working on something else. Um, mm. The problem, you know, a big goal with this book was to take popular popular ideas and to see if they're true. So one popular goal setting idea is if you read a lot of goal books that go, oh, you're, you have a financial goal, you should have a spiritual goal and an emotional goal and a relational goal and a health goal. And they say, here's the seven factors of life, have a goal for each. Where like, if you told me, John, I'm going to learn German, I wouldn't say you should learn six other languages at the same time. Like you should learn Spanish and Swahili and Norwegian, like that's too much. And so what happens is we try to do more than we're capable of. And we feel like huge losers. So for instance, when I had two kids under the age of three, I didn't care about my yard. Like my yard had a lot of weeds and it didn't look good and it wasn't in shape. I just didn't care because I knew this wasn't a season when I was going to worry about that particular part of my life. So when you're training for a marathon, when you're trying to write a book, you have an option. You can choose shame or strategy. Shame means you try to do it all. You you have tremendous mom guilt. You see every other mom online who looks like they have their life put together and that's shame. Or your strategy is for the next month, I won't do these three things well and that's okay. And I forgive my, I'm going to pre-forgive myself. My favorite example, a woman in the book who's a mom, busy mom, works, has a full-time job. She said, when I've got a busy season at work, the kids know the clothes get clean, but not folded and put away. And the kids know meals get made but they, they're not fancy. They're pretty simple. It's, it's hot dog season. And so she has a realistic approach to, I'm not going to hold myself to the same standards with this new thing I've got going on. Like that would be failure and I wouldn't be able to get it all done. So that's kind of one of the things you can do is deliberately say ahead of time for this next 30 days or 60 days, whatever your time frame is, these are the things I'm not going to sweat a lot. Shonda Rhimes, who just signed a humongous deal with Netflix. She, she did Scandal, all these other shows, says mm-hmm. when she's running a show, like when she's producing a show, she doesn't get to the gym much and she knows that. So she could either go, it's so weird, I'm working 16-hour days and not able to get to the gym. Or she could go, for the next three weeks during sweeps, I'm not going to get a lot of gym time. I'll get a little, but not a lot. I'm not going to feel ashamed. That is is very practical, and it's it's funny how most of this is just really a shift in perspective. It's kind of like if you hit eight and you were shooting for five, you feel good. Versus ten, 
And then also like in this example that you use with uh, sort of the difference, I like this uh, distinction between shame and strategy. It's like, on the one hand, I go, oh my gosh, I'm a crappy mom because I'm feeding the kids whatever, like quick meals uh, versus strategy. So is is a big part of this just reshaping the, the perspective and how you see things? Yeah, I think it, I think it could be a gigantic part of it. I think often we want complicated solutions in part because then we don't have to do them. So when somebody says to you, I want to get in shape. Well, I mean, that's I love just, that. That's just true. Like somebody says, I want to get in shape. And you go, okay, here's what you do. Eat less, move more. They go, no, 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 no. I need to do like a Pilates CrossFit, like super gym and only and like weigh every gram on a scale. And you go, well, you're not going to do any of that. Like just, just do this simple thing. And so, I mean, I love, you know, you and I are similar in that. Like a lot of the way we look at life is to go, I'm going to look at that upside down and see if it's better, different, you know, challenges people. I mean, my favorite example of that, I recently read a book, Instant Influence, um, and I thought it was brilliant. And the whole thing he says is, if I'm trying to get somebody to do something, it's, it's how you frame it. So if I was trying to get you to run a marathon with me, and I said, on a scale of one to 10, how likely are you to do the marathon with me? And you said, Less three. than zero. Yeah. Well, let's say you said three. And I said, okay, most people then go, why didn't you pick higher? And when you do that, you ask the person to brainstorm negativity. You go, why do you, why do you not want to do it? And it forces me to come up with even more reasons. So what he says is, why'd you pick three? You could have picked two or one. Why'd you pick something so high? And it forces you to go, well, I guess I would like to get the medal or like, I, I would like to spend the time talking and training. And, and so that's just a perspective flip. But like when you're negotiating with somebody that matters a lot. And so I, I love the simple things where you can say, okay, everything like, you know, look at the iPhone, like every other device prior to that was like, figure out a way to get 72 more buttons on it. And the iPhone was like, or a single button. And that, that was, you know, it wasn't like, that wasn't le- that complicated. It was, it was less complicated. They just said, okay, let's look at it from a different perspective. Hmm. Yeah. So, uh, like, uh, I think, I mean, I think that, that, that is it. I mean, so often it's like the, the, the next level of results requires the next level of thinking. It's, it's all in, in, in how you look at it and you think about it. So, um, well, John, this, uh, where do you want people to go if they want to connect with you to order the book, all that kind of stuff? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's available everywhere. Um, Amazon is obviously super easy, uh, local stores. I love getting to support local stores because it means they continue to exist. You know, we have a great one in Nashville, Parnassus over in uh, Green Hills that it's always fun to send people there. So yeah, you can get it online, you can get it, you know, um, anywhere books are sold. And then yeah, acuff.me is just my website, which is acuff.me. And then I write one new idea, um, every week about certain topics. And so if you're a writer, it's just acuff.me slash writers, or if you're an entrepreneur, it's acuff.me slash business or acuff.me slash speakers. And that's been a really fun way to very, very specifically serve an audience with almost like a nerdy level of information where instead of trying to write generally, I can say, here's why the first minute of your speech matters the most. And as a speaker, it's hopefully a valuable, fun experience. 
I like it. John Acuff is who you're listening to, New York Times bestselling author. The book is called Finish, Give Yourself the Gift of Done. Acuff.me is where you go to get it. We'll put links to that in the show notes. John, buddy, thank you for uh, your lighthearted humor and your thought-provoking insight and your, your constant addiction to looking at things creatively and in a different way, buddy. We appreciate you. Hey, thanks. I appreciate it. Always good stuff there from my friend John Acuff. And, you know, I I love the theme of finish. I don't think we talk about that enough. And I appreciate, you know, sort of his transparency in talking about, you know, this idea of how start was the really tackling the wrong problem. And I think that's that's kind of cool um, that he did that and to, and to look at it. And I think people do struggle with finishing. They they struggle with driving things to completion. Um and it's it's sometimes just more exciting to have new ideas and and start new things than to really, you know, focus in and drive it and make it happen and take it to take it to the finish line. Um, we at Southwestern Consulting, you know, I've talked over the the years about our global rebrand that's been happening. We've been working on it, and man, it's been such a beast. And this list last Friday was exciting because we rolled out um, individual websites, microsites for every single one of our consultants. Uh, so we created a platform for each of them to now start building an audience and nurturing it and driving leads for their business. And um, you know, that's just on my mind is like. Man, it's 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 such a it's been such a monstrous project over the years, and and it really is a lot of times like the last ten percent that is so hard. Like it's it's hard to be motivated to do that last part. Success is in anything is is basically never the result of doing things right one time, right? It's it's. When you're going to be successful, it's not about doing things right one time. It's the byproduct of doing things right consistently over long periods of time. And you're, the reason why this matters is because you will never really be successful until you actually understand that. Like, and you, when you wander around through the world looking for some secret answer, when you wander around looking for some shortcut, looking for some one time, uh, you know, and it's maybe not a quick f- fix, but um, it's like you're looking for this, this one switch that you can sort of flip and do it once and be done with it. That's not how it works. That's not how you become successful. And that's not how you finish things. And, and I think the reason why we often don't finish things is because we, we start things thinking they're going to be the answer or they're going to make us feel a certain way or they're going to solve a problem. And then they, they don't. And so we just leave them kind of half, half completed. It's, it's related to this the same, like we go on this journey to... I want to find an answer, and if I don't find the answer I'm looking for, if it don't doesn't turn out to be as fun as I wanted it to, then I just sort of like stop. Um, so until you really grasp this idea that success is about doing things right consistently over periods of time, you're 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 going to undermine your own ability to achieve. Um, you're going to basically waste potentially years of your life looking around for answers that are looking for answers that aren't really there. I mean, you'll find plenty of people to give you a bunch of stuff that doesn't really work. It's not really sustainable. It's not really substantive. I mean, there's plenty of people out there willing to make a buck off of selling you a quick fix and a short-term solution. But if you really want to create the traction and you want to create the results, 
eventually you have to wake up to the idea that you're going to have to learn how to be consistent and and that it's not a a, a one time thing it's it's a repeated thing it's a consistent thing and finishing is a habit finishing is a habit um finishing strong is a habit and 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 self discipline and and the way you get yourself to be disciplined is a habit um but it's it's not what you you think so that said you know under giving you some of the backdrop of the context of the answer um it doesn't mean the answer that I'm going to share with you here isn't powerful because it, it is a simple answer. It is the same answer in every situation. So in other words, you you don't you if you understand this one thing, then you can always apply it. It's not something that you learn once and just because you learn it, then it's then it then you're you're good forever. You have to apply it over and over, but it's the same thing that you have to do over and over and over again. So it in in that way, it is something that if you can learn to do it once and you know what it is, and then you know how to do it once, and then you can get yourself to repeat that over you know habit consistently over time, it will bring you the success that you're looking for. Which you know, by the way, this is why. Our core business at Southwestern Consulting is one-on-one coaching because we know that what people really need help with is not learning one time what they should do. Okay, they do need that, and 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 we teach them that. But what what they really need help with is the accountability of actually getting themselves to do that thing consistently over a long period of time. Right, and so sometimes, like if people get into coaching and they're like. Oh well, this isn't working out. You know, like I'm, if I'm not, if, if they're thinking like, oh, I'm going to learn the secret here that I don't know. It's that's not what it's about. It's not learning that thing. I mean, some of it is learning, and knowledge creates confidence, and knowledge, you know, does a lot of cool things and gets you excited and stuff. But at the end of the day, it's the accountability to actually getting yourself to do the thing that matters. How do you immediately increase your self-discipline? How do you immediately increase the, uh, you know, the likelihood that you'll get yourself to do the things you know you should do that you don't feel like doing? It is super simple. Okay. So you're ready for it. Here it is. You think longer term. That's it. You think longer term. That, if I had to boil it down into one strategy, one technique, one thing that if you did this habit and you did it over and over and over, it would immediately increase your self-discipline. Now, you can't do it once and have it permanently increase your self-discipline, but you can learn it once and, and then do it over and over and, and it is the one thing that makes the difference because anytime you evaluate a decision in the context of what feels good here and now, you're always going to gravitate towards doing the easiest thing. When you have a short-term perspective, you will always gravitate towards doing the easiest thing. But anytime you evaluate a decision in the context of what is going to make tomorrow better, tomorrow easier, tomorrow more fruitful, to making the future better, the future easier, the future more fruitful, to, 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 uh, then in those cases, your willingness to endure sacrifices increases. And, and this is really important because often people who struggle with self-discipline, we think that we don't have enough discipline. We think that we don't have enough willpower. We think that, oh, maybe I'm not tough enough. I'm not strong enough. 
But that's inaccurate. That's not the accurate way to think about it. The truth is we have plenty of self-discipline. It's just that self-discipline becomes dormant in the absence of a dream. Self-discipline becomes dormant in the absence of a dream. So it's not really a matter of increasing your self-discipline or raising your willpower or anything. It's a more a matter of activating it. It's already there. And, and as you get clear on what you want in the future, your energy activates for what you can endure right now. But if you're if you're not thinking about the impacts on your future, then what you default to is thinking about what creates the best situation right now, which is usually indulgence, right? Some sort of indulgence is going to make you feel better now. It's going to make you feel good now. Um, but that that's the paradox principle of sacrifice that that easy short term decisions create difficult long term consequences. Meanwhile, it's the difficult short-term decisions that are difficult short-term choices that create easy long-term consequences. So the mechanism for activating your discipline, for activating your 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 endurance, for activating your 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 willpower, it's not increasing it. It's not like you don't have it and you need to find a way to build it. It's there. It's just sitting dormant. So the way you turn it on, the way you you inspire it, you breathe life into it, the way it it comes to life is by thinking longer term. Because when you think about what you want longer term, then that connects the dots back to what you have to do right now rather than what you want to do right now. So it's not as much a matter of, of how much willpower do you have. That's not it. It's, it's not about how much discipline do you have. It's not about how tough are you. It's, it's a matter of how long is your perspective. And how clear are you on what you want in the long term? And and the amount of our endurance is directly proportionate to the clarity of our vision because as we see that picture clearly, then we are willing to endure more right now. So it's a matter of how long is your perspective, how clear is that perspective, and and what is that long-term perspective all about? It's all about finishing right? You're thinking about the end product. You're thinking about the final goal. You're thinking about where you want to be. People who do that finish things. People who don't do that, they start a bunch of stuff. They start things because it feels good to start stuff. It feels creative. It feels inspiring. It feels fun. But then the moment all those feelings wear off, what happens? The project dies and it sits dead. Boom. Nothing is happening. It's because it's no longer delivering to us what it once was. But finishing is when we're thinking longer term and we engage into commitments and decisions and choices and resolutions and habits and actions based on a long-term perspective, those are realized by, by crossing the finish line and we endure the short term. And as you start to get closer and closer um, you know, to the finish line, you, you can see it, you can smell it, and you're, you're getting closer to your goal. So the permanent solution that is immediately available to you for increasing your self-discipline is to think longer term. But you can't just do it once. You have to do it 
every time you're confronted with a decision about whether or not to be disciplined. You have to do it every single time when you're choosing between doing what you want to do and what you need to do, when you're choosing between the hard right and the easy wrong, when you're choosing between the short-term indulgence and the long-term sacrifice. Every time that comes up, you have to think longer term, which is why we say at Southwestern over and over, all the time, at the end of every single one of these episodes, right, that success is never owned. It's only rented, and the rent is due every day. Well, that about wraps up the Action Catalyst podcast for this week. If you haven't yet, please log in to whatever your favorite medium is to listen to the show and both rate this podcast and leave a comment, as that helps new prospective listeners determine if the show's really a good fit for them. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and screenshot this episode to share with your friends on social media. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst, and subscribe to our video podcast on YouTube. Thanks for listening.